Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee, and you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewelry that makes you look like the gem, sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. When it comes to style and luxury, eBay gets it. They're making sure the things that you love are checked by experts. Not just any experts, specialized experts. Real people who love this stuff. With real hands-on authentication experience. So when you see that shiny blue check mark that says Authenticity Guarantee, shop with confidence. Every inch, stitch, sole, and logo is verified authentic through a detailed inspection. That's how you know that eBay's got your back. Because when you finally step into those sneakers, put on that watch, get your real gold glow up, swing that handbag over your shoulder, or step out in that streetwear, you'll realize that feeling is unlike any other. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. everyone, it's Jen. You know Jess and I often talk about how Aloe Moves helps us stay fit. But May is Mental Health Awareness Month, so I really wanted to point out how amazing the site and app are for mental health as well. It is so easy for me to get stuck in a rut mentally or get stressed out or feel lonely when I'm working from home. I'm guessing you've all been there too. But I found that a much more productive way to deal with those feelings or even just like a bad day is to hop on alomoves.com and reset. Allo Moves is the award-winning on-demand streaming wellness platform app and website that has workouts, mindfulness, nutrition, self-care, and more to help boost your mental and physical well-being. I also love that I can take the same class as friends or connect with other members in the community comments. Allo Moves really brings people together. Lately, I have been very into the five-minute relaxation body scan with Susie Mark Shifflin. Guys, Susie is the most soothing instructor. She incorporates these sound bath sounds into her head-to-toe relaxation exercise. It's so easy to do. Obviously, there are also yoga classes and exercise classes and so many other things you can learn and check out on allomoves.com, but I just had to share that one with you. Find yourself together when you join Allo Moves. Join the community on allomoves.com today and use code FATMASCARA20 for an exclusive 30-day free trial plus 20% off an annual membership. That's allomoves.com code MASCARA20 for a 30-day free trial plus 20% off an annual membership. Again, that's allomoves.com and the code is MASCARA20. Happy Thanksgiving! It's Fat Mascara. I'm Jess. Hi, Jess. Happy Thanksgiving. I'm Jen. Listen, I'm excited about this show, but before we get into it, can I just say, I know Thanksgiving only here in the United States and we have listeners everywhere, but damn it, this year I am so freaking thankful to be here, A, Mm. to have our listeners and our big fat mascara family, B. Mm, mm, I'm thankful for like figuring out all this tech crap this year and making this podcast happen. And I'm thankful for you, Jessica Matlin, my dear, dear friend who got me through a freaking crazy 
year, but also last week. And I don't know. I'm thankful. Oh, I'm thankful for you, Jen Goldstein Sullivan. And I'm thankful. I'm thankful <laughs> for our producer, Red. Thank you, Red. Oh, God. We got to get Red on the show sometime oh, yeah. soon. Yeah. Um, Wait, I, I just thought of something. Red. Very on theme. We got redheads all around. Oh, yes. I didn't think about that yet. Okay, so we have a great episode today. Um, This one is really a big thrill for me because I'm a major, major fan of our guest. Her name is Karen Elson. She is only one of the biggest models of our time. She is a British supermodel, but she is really just a global force. She is a singer-songwriter. Do check out her work. Um, She is a mother. She is an advocate. She is just an amazing person all around. Uh, She is, you know what's really cool about her? She really is outside of like the epicenter of the fashion world when she's not working. She lives in Nashville, which I think is really cool, which is also very much a music hub. Um, And she was in Nashville when we recorded with her remotely, and she was so cool. She had her cup of tea, very English, and she, you know, set up her little laptop. Can I pause you? I'm just going to say her laptop was basically like, on, she was so funny, funny. She was like, my laptop is making these crazy noises. So if every now and then this interview, you hear her laptop... She's doing her best. She's a freaking superstar down in Nashville. So that's what that sound is. I'm just prepping yeah. for that. It, you know when your laptop like starts like it looks like it sounds like it's gonna take off. Hers was like doing that thing. <laughs> um, <laughs> supermodels, they're just like us. Um, and she, you know, you know, except Karen. that her face is on my coffee table, Jess. Right? Oh now. yes. Like, oh hello. Her face I know. Is on my coffee table. Well, we got a chance to talk to her because she was promoting her book, The Red Flame, which we'll talk about. And The Red Flame is really part memoir, part amazing visual portfolio of so many of the photograph, uh, the work she's done with. Uh, a lot of photographers, makeup artists, hairstylists. She's worked with everyone. Stephen Mizell, Craig McDean, Martin Marcus. Oh my God. Um, And like makeup artists like Pat McGrath, uh, Garen, Ward, like every, basically, oh my God, the work she's done with Tim Walker is just legendary. Every major fashion creative she has worked with. And she has a lot to say in the book about topics from everything from me to to um you know fashion's reckoning with with you know eating disorders to you know her own grips her own you know relationship with self-esteem I mean she's just really um she bears all and I think fashion is not a world that really is very comfortable with vulnerability and getting real and she is amazing because she goes there and that is one of the reasons I adore her so much so Karen thank you for being real with us thank you for spending so much time with us on the show and I think you guys will really enjoy this interview I know Jen and I did I am really excited that you wrote this book. Um, you know, you. I devoured it, devoured it on Sunday. Um, but it's a it's unusual because it's two books, in my opinion. It's a visual retrospective of your career. It's like the ultimate fashion coffee table book. But it's also really 
um, you know, uh, and it's it's really like this amazing journal of like all the collaborators you've worked with uh, over, right. over your career. Um, right. So it's like fashion candy, uh, but it's also really a very personal story and almost like a diary of of what you've gone through. And the book uh, title is interesting. It's called The Red Flame, but it's about this spark that's guided you throughout your career and, and about intuition and what you've learned. And, I, and I'm reading the book and I'm loving the book, but I did think... Why did Karen want to write this book now in 2020? Because it's not like you're at the end of your career by any means. It's not no. like somebody <laughs> who's like, you know, 50 years old looking back. You know, there's so many other models who like it's time for them to write this book. You're in like really like I feel like the like a, a really interesting point in your career. Yeah, I am. And I think the impetus. You know, so I met with the publisher, with Rizzoli, with Charles Myers, who was the publisher of Rizzoli, and um, five years ago. And we started talking about just doing a, a coffee table book, a coffee table book mm-hmm. of, I think it was five years ago, would be 20 years of me being a model. Yeah. And, you know, we had conversations. The first, while I was really eager and game to do it, I felt like... You know, with me, there's always been this dichotomy between the sort of the things that I outwardly do, but the depth of the things that I feel. Right. And I just wasn't satisfied with doing just a regular coffee table book of sort of, you know, and no disrespect to anybody who does regular coffee table books because they're beautiful. But I just felt throughout my career, there's always been this struggle, this push and pull. And I think also the thing with models can be that we just give them, we judge them like, you know, on how they look quite simply. Mm -hmm. And we don't consider sort of the depth of the women that they may be. So as I was talking to Charles over the years, it felt really important to me that I had to tell a story behind the pictures. And it felt you know, there's moments of quantifying time where 20 years, 25 years just felt quite poignant because mm-hmm. also I've been through many things and also many phases of fashion and we were entering a new phase. And I think also after sort of, you know, Time's Up and Me Too and the, the door kind of slowly opening even in fashion and slow is the word to sort <laughs> of... Um, how people have acted and behaved in fashion, I felt like it was a really important time for me to be bold and talk about the not-so-pretty things. Because, you know, a, a person would think a book, you know, a model writing a book, that it could just be, oh, my God, look at me and my fabulous life, you know. And I, I really wanted to stress that, yes, while I've been so incredibly lucky to work with brilliant photographers, designers, hair, makeups, editors... I also felt there was a necessity to tell the vulnerability behind it. And that's always been a big thing for me is, is the vulnerability. You know, yes. that's been a part of what makes me, me. That's what a part of how I get in front of a camera. You know, I'm not a quote unquote, like Victoria's Secret model. You know, I am a quirky looking woman. I don't fit the size of most, you know, how most sort of size zero model should be or what fashion expects of them is the word. And I just felt like it was an opportune moment to really tell the truth. And I view it less of a, as a, of a memoir because again, I'm 41 years old as a document of where I've been and where I'm going. 
And obviously, you know, people have to market it however they feel fit. So of course, it's a memoir. I'm like, okay, fine. But for me, it is, it's a testament to what I've been through. And it's sort of a call for the future to the fashion industry to sort of change these sort of age-old old dynamics and yeah. the things that go on and go behind the scenes that everybody knows in fashion. We all have stories. We all have, have experienced things, but there is still a big veil of silence that cloaks the fashion industry, which I felt like I had to sort of peek behind that a little bit. So first of all, I just have to say, like, as you're speaking, I'm like already starting to get this panic in my chest because I'm like, oh my God, I have so many questions and follow-up questions and my follow-up <laughs> questions of this interview is not like, we have we have to keep it in a, in a reasonable time frame yeah. for your sake and, my, and Jen, you know, the, the show. But I'm like, oh my God, I could just like, it's like questions are spiraling out, spiraling out because you are hitting upon so many different aspects of things that we talk about in this show right. of, you know, things that are conversations that have popped up in fashion and beauty, um, you know, certainly over the past year. But, you know, when you started as a model, you know, models were kind of seen and not heard or maybe they were, t- you know, really cool, like, backstage photographs right. and maybe that's like the most insight you got to like who they may be as real people. Um maybe an interview on House of Style, like if that, like who are these yeah. women? <laughs> but like there was nothing really, get, there was, it was kind of like, who are these women? And, and now, that was the, the beauty of it as well. Right. I remember being in the 90s and I would flip through my teen magazines before I became a model. And I, it was never an interview with the model. It right. was always, this is Kate Moss's favorite thing. You didn't even know thing. the name. Sometimes they didn't even, right, you know, credit exactly. Yeah. This is this, androgynous looking beautiful woman who I'll never know anything about and yes I understand that's a lot of the beauty and mystery of fashion photography as well is the mystery but at the same time I think when a person's career is defined by that mystery you're not expected to speak about anything and we all the models I work with are very dynamic women and have a lot of opinions and have been through some real things and For me, especially as beauty evolves and beauty becomes thankfully more of a spectrum and less white and elitist and skinny, Mm -hmm. I think it's important to give a voice to these women because we do have valuable insights, but also just to silence us or expect us to be just these these silent muses is um, to negate a lot of their humanity. You you said something in the book in the intro that I loved. You said that you wrote that you love being a model because of the creation of unforgettable images and the feeling of beauty that cannot be defined. And I was like, huh, like what does that mean? Like I liked it. It was like sticking with me. But is that a little bit of what you're saying? Like, yes. I mean, it's it's just such a powerful when idea. You look at like, a Peter Lindbergh image. Defined. Yeah. You're like you look at a beautiful Peter Lindbergh image and you think. You know, I, 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 again, approach everything. I'm a fan of life. I'm a fan of fashion photography. I'm a yeah. fan of, I love magazines. I, I look at everything through that sort of excitable lens still. Yeah. But when I look at a picture that haunts me and yeah. I don't know why it haunts me and I don't know why that sort of beauty, that off-kilter beauty of a person is yes. beguiling, 
it is that unattainable thing that you can't explain and you can't quite figure out why this is beautiful, but you know, it moves you, but it moves you more than just the aspirational. Right. It's not aspiration. It's it's, this. Yeah. It's unforgettable. It's unforgettable. Exactly. And that is what I love about being a model of those moments where you can be part of an image that is captivating in a way that feels um, that it haunts you. You know, mm-hmm. that it, that, because there is a little bit of your soul being captured, not to get a little woo-woo, but there, no, it feels, there. there's those moments where a great photographer will capture something very vital about you and you really feel that vitality. Can, what, wait, wait, I, I got to know. It's Jen, hold your thought because I want to know what you're going to say. <laughs> what photographer captured you the most? That haunting quality of yourself. You know, in various degrees. Um, you know, I did a lot of fashion shoots with Mizell, but there have been certain shoots where he has just seen right through me, seen the power of me, seen the vulnerability. We've done some shoots where I look back at the shoot and I think the connection was so powerful. And same with Peter Lindbergh, as I mentioned him. Yeah. He was always somebody who, you know, I could have no hair and makeup and be standing being windswept and feel like I look bedraggled. And there's something about when we lock eyes that he sees right through you into the most, the, your marrow. He sees your soul oh, and wow. he loves that. And then Tim Walker as well as another one who... It's like me and him almost have telepathy. When we're working together, there isn't, it's, he wrote this actually in, you know, he did a beautiful exhibit for the Victoria Mm -hmm. and Albert Museum. And in his book, he mentioned that kind of thing that him and I have where we could be at the ends of the earth working together and he could just say a couple of things, but I know what he's saying. And we have this sort Mm -hmm. of transcendent. Chemistry. Exactly. Chemistry and intuition. We're both on the same sort of intuitive wavelength where, I feel safe. I feel seen. I understand him as an artist. He understands my role in this. And it's not base. And then there's people you work with where it's just base and it's sort of like fabulous. You're gorgeous. And it's just an act and it's a role you're playing. It's not... Give me the caramel. Yeah, it's, it's a little bit more sort of, you know, what you would imagine fashion yeah. to be and what would you do yeah. like you know a fashion <laughs> imagine a photo shoot to be like yeah but really the ones that I gravitate to are the much more intimate and the much less sort of bombastic yeah. <laughs> and you mentioned that quality I'm sure those are the photos too that have that like hard to define thing you said it was like off kilter so I want to talk about your 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 beauty moment for a minute because it was in a way off kilter. This is like when you got your look. And so we're beauty podcast and you had Pat McGrath, yes, right? Yes. You had Ward. Can you tell us about that transformative moment? You said sometimes you feel like you're not seen as a whole person because you're a model. What did you feel like when everybody was like, you know what, we're going to chop off your hair. We're going to do this. I felt like I was finally, I know it's yeah. so, and I think I write this in the book too, where I say it took this sort of transformation for me to feel like me. I think up until that moment, so bizarrely, I felt like an imposter for years. Even, you know, as a teenager, I felt like, oh, I, you know, like so awkward in my skin. And it almost took a radical transformation of me for me to feel like me, if that makes sense. Probably doesn't, but it does for me. So Ward and Pat McGrath, I mean, the formidable Pat McGrath, who I forever adore and admire and, 
you know, consider a dear, dear friend to this day. Um, so Pat shaved off my eyebrows. I was so game to do that. It was so much fun. Ward, the night before we did the shoot, I went over to his apartment, you know, and bent over his, like, you know, the, the kitchen sink while he put manic panic in my hair. Um, <laughs> it, you know, stayed stayed up far too late. Um got to set the, ne- the next day. He chops all my hair off, Pat shaves my eyebrows off, like I said. And um, I don't know, I looked in the mirror and I went, oh, I finally look like me. And I know that that wow. sounds odd, but I, I I don't know. I just always knew in my heart that that if I met Mizell and if I met all the people he worked with, that he would see me. But Pat, Pat and Darren just, I don't know. It was, it was amazing. I mean, I was also 17, 18 years old. I had my 18th birthday on that shoot. Wait, so Garen chopped Not Garen, hair. Ward. Yes, Ward. Ward, Ward. Ward chopped the hair. Ward died and chopped the yes. hair. Pat gave you the makeup. Yes, but like I said, she also shaved my eyebrows yeah. off, which is a big oh, thing yeah. to do. And Oof. along with the haircuts and the color, that was just brilliant, bright red. So cool. Um, you know, as a teenager who, like, I was always wanting to dye my hair, cut my hair for years when I first became a model. It's so interesting that my agents told me to not do anything. You know, so I went through the first two years of being a model. Oh, we've heard so many models have told us like they, their agents steered them wrong. They were like, so- don't do anything. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, I want to yeah. do it all. I want to do everything. So it yeah. took Mizell and his guidance and Pat and Ward to sort of give me this like punk glow yeah. up that was the best. Okay. <laughs> the punk glow it was inc- up. Oh, it was incredible. And I would do it in a heartbeat again. There is something about a radical transformation, even if it doesn't work, it's just empowering. And I was so grateful yeah. to, to be there, you know, their sort of ragdoll, I guess. So cool. <laughs> their experiment. It was awesome. I was grateful for it. So when you were discussing this transformation, it struck me that I think a lot of people can relate to almost this dysmorphia where like they don't know who they are until they see it and their looks then finally match the person they are inside. That's it. And I think that's something that feels very modern. That's it. Too, right now, because, yeah, as the world changed. But the part that throws me off, and you write about this in the book, is still with body yes, image yes. sometimes when it comes to modeling. So you were very open about, now you have this look that is you. But, you know, you were still a teenager in a teenager's body. And when you came into your own as a woman, your body changed. So, you know, fashion, up until very recently, and we can make arguments that it's even changing at all now, <laughs> has not let people be their real <laughs> right. bodies. Or I just got right. Famous. No, you know. So, do you think? Yeah, and then you even said this was great. Jess and I were talking about this that like working in fashion while being someone who has suffered from an eating disorder is like being at a bar yeah, as an it alcoholic. Is. It is. I mean, you know? there's no way like, around it. You, it's around. Yeah, there's you. no way around it. It's it's been internalized so, within the entire fashion industry that being thin is the coveted, idealized. You know, I can't tell you even if. Even when I'm not trying to lose weight or if I happen to look a little bit different, I can't tell you. I remember going on set a few years ago and this guy, you know, random straight guy just looked at me and was like, oh, you've lost weight on your face. <laughs> I'm like, 
What? Just made that comment out of nowhere. And I just looked at him and I was like, you know, I don't appreciate that comment. Because I was like, so it means the last time I saw you, you were thinking something negative about me. And I said, you know, don't ever come up to a woman and just make a random judgment about comparing how she looked then and how you look now. It's just rude because it just strikes me as something. I mean, I guess I get quite triggered, admittedly, when people talk about my body because for many years in fashion, exactly what you just said, I started as a teenager. My body was sort of fetishized as a teenager. I'm wearing clothes that are, you know, couture clothes, high fashion that are, you know, barely fit me as a teenager. And then the moment I get, you know, naturally gain five or 10 pounds became a problem. And it was something I couldn't do anything about unless I starved. It wasn't about like not eating carbs, all this. I'm sorry. It makes me, it really irritates me because there's so much people think they have good intentions. You know, at that time where everyone was telling me what diet to go on, what trainer to see. And it only just reinforces that me as maybe 125 pounds at age 20 is bad. You know, where it's not bad. Mm. It's still at the low end of the, you know, body mass index. And of healthy, it's yeah. just, you know, I just find it so irritating and dangerous because what happens and what happened to me is that I got really shamed on the public stage. I got humiliated for my natural body being what it naturally was meant to be. And then for far too many years, well over a decade, I played mind games with myself. You know, it's like every time Fashion Week approached, I would do these drastic detoxes, you know, starve myself for weeks and then still show up and still be to them too heavy. And there was a moment where my conscience spoke and I knew fundamentally what they were asking of me was dangerous and wrong. But at the same time, you know, you've got bills to pay. You've got money that you want to earn. You've got a family to support. Mm -hmm. You know, at the time I was helping my parents out. But you're putting this really awkward conundrum where you realize, okay, well, if I don't eat, you know, everybody will like me. And there was that too. I just wanted people to like me. And when I was 10 pounds heavier, the way I was treated in fashion was like a pariah, you know, it's just being treated as people on set making horrible comments about how the dress won't fit or designers laughing at you in the fitting or blatantly looking at your face and saying, Oh, some You're of those fat. stories yeah, that you told. <laughs> you, you guys have to buy the book. The book really is, I was reading it with my jaw yeah. open. Some of the stories. And I've edited a lot out, FYI, because, you know, wow. people advised me to do that. <laughs> Can it, Were the people like in your sphere, like, you know, and I'm certainly not asking you to name other models' names or designers' names, but... Do you feel like this was just kind of like shrug? That's the way it is. Like were some of your model friends like, yeah, I'm going through this too, you know? Or was it like they were all just so naturally skinny, you know? I am going to say my guess is 80% of the women I work with or worked with, especially back in the early 2000s, 
we were all on some form of diet. However, we would color that for ourselves. Some are vegan, some are going to the detox place because they want to get healthy in quotations. I played (laughs) all those games. I justified it. I was in denial. It was encouraged. There were certain casting people who would encourage you to go on juice cleanses and detoxes. There was, it was still to this day, you know, before any big... Oh yeah, cleanse. That was like fashion any big event, it's not just the models, it's also the editors. It's also, it's all, like I was saying earlier, it's, it's ingrained into the culture of fashion where before any big event, you can guarantee that I'll hear from someone that they're not eating carbs, gluten, they're not doing dairy, they're just eating vegetables and drinking juices for a few weeks before the event because they are paranoid that they will be seen and a person will judge them, you know? And I I just, I can't play these mind games with myself anymore. I can't do it. I have a 14-year-old daughter and I see already, you know, she's had a couple of friends who have dealt with body dysmorphia and I feel a really big sense of responsibility these days, not only to myself, but to my daughter and her friends where I can't be reinforcing these stereotypes because I know from living through it that it's very, very unhealthy. Mm. And, you know, to the point where I even try these days to just, you know, I haven't owned like a scale in a long time. I'm sure mm. I've probably got one maybe in my attic, but I, I just, I won't jump on it. When people ask for my measurements, you know, obviously that's part of my job still where people, if they're fitting a dress for me, need my measurements, but I have to be so mindful to not look at the numbers because I get triggered by them and I have to be protective of myself and of my health and, and also be defiant too. There's a part of me, I am quite a stubborn, tenacious Capricorn where if someone tells me I have to do something, I instantly am like, but do I, (laughs) you know? So Uh, anyone's making a judgment about my body or weight or telling me I should try this cleanse or I should go see this. I think the new thing is like girls going, I heard about all the BS girls going to this like spa where they like get wear a suit that sucks all the water out of them, makes them sweat. They're like 10 pounds lighter by the end of it. And I'm like, that doesn't sound... Light, lightheaded. You know, and, yeah. and I'm like, I'm, I don't need to try that. But back to my point is when we are glamorizing and taking a child's body as the sort of um, be-all, end-all in fashion, when a child's body is wearing the sample is walking down the runway when every woman walking down the runway is between the ages of 25 and 16 we have to ask ourselves that's just you know that that's that but there is a lot of other shapes sizes backgrounds you know and I would even venture to guess as I've done sort of my own sort of deep diving into you know, eating disorders that I also realized a good friend was talking to me about this and saying that some of it too has been sort of based in sort of elitist white um, narratives, you know, like the skinny white woman, when you start Mm -hmm. breaking it apart, the the coveted sort of waspy look is really kind of rooted in some dark things. And it's really the denial of a mm-hmm. woman being a woman. I mean, our hips, our breasts, our booties, 
are beautiful things and what define us as women. And not to say that a skinny woman isn't beautiful, but I think to say in fashion that only a size zero with the hips jutting out and you can see the spines, which I I watch fashion shows and I see that and I go, I know as a model that these women are not, not all of them, but a lot of them are not eating the way they're supposed to be eating. And they're in the denial game and they're being sort of, shuttled out from one city to the next because they fit the mold. Let's change the mold. Let's make the mold many different things. Why not? Hey everyone, it's Jen. You know Jess and I often talk about how Aloe Moves helps us stay fit. But May is Mental Health Awareness Month, so I really wanted to point out how amazing the site and app are for mental health as well. It is so easy for me to get stuck in a rut mentally or get stressed out or feel lonely when I'm working from home. I'm guessing you've all been there too. But I found that a much more productive way to deal with those feelings or even just like a bad day is to hop on allomoves.com and reset. Allo Moves is the award-winning on-demand streaming wellness platform app and website that has workouts, mindfulness, nutrition, self-care, and more to help boost your mental and physical well-being. I also love that I can take the same class as friends or connect with other members in the community comments. Allo Moves really brings people together. Lately, I have been very into the five-minute relaxation body scan with Susie Mark Shifflin. Guys, Susie is the most soothing instructor. She incorporates these sound bath sounds into her head-to-toe relaxation exercise. It's so easy to do. Obviously, there are also yoga classes and exercise classes and so many other things you can learn and check out on allomoves.com, but I just had to share that one with you. Find yourself together when you join Allomoves. Join the community on allomoves.com today and use code FATMASCARA20 for an exclusive 30-day free trial plus 20% off an annual membership. That's allomoves.com, code MASCARA20 for a 30-day free trial plus 20% off an annual membership. Again, that's allomoves.com and the code is MASCARA20. Summer is fast approaching, which means it's shapewear season. Just kidding. It's really wedding season. But I just got an invitation to a wedding in Philadelphia, and guess what I'll be wearing? Honey love. I'm not sure about the rest of the outfit or the dress, but the shapewear is going to be honey love. Here's why. Honey Love has revolutionized compression technology so you no longer have to feel like you're suffocating when you're wearing shapewear. Plus, they have lingerie-inspired design details that you'll want to show off, and all their fabrics are breathable to keep you nice and cool, which is perfect for hot days. Let me tell you a story. I remember being at a wedding, this was a few years ago, pre-Honey Love, and I wore a jumpsuit, and I wasn't sure if the bathroom door locked well, but I had to take off the entire jumpsuit and then roll down the shapewear to pee, and I was like holding onto the back of the door at the same time, completely naked in the bathroom and it took so long and I caused this whole backup of the bathroom line and after that I was like never again until Honey Love came along Honey Love's superpower shorts have a 100% cotton gusset so you don't have to wear underwear underneath and there's a convenient opening in the underwear area so you don't have to take off the whole thing to go to the bathroom it's so easy Honey Love products make you look good and feel good whether it's for a wedding event an everyday boost of confidence Honey Love is the perfect plus one treat yourself to the best bras and shapewear on the market and save 20% off at honeylove.com slash mascara. Use our exclusive link to get 20% off. That's honeylove.com slash mascara. After you purchase, they'll ask you where you heard about them. Please support our show and tell them we sent you. Honeylove.com slash mascara for 20% off. The summer vibes are just getting started, so shape your life with Honeylove. 
Listen, there are so many skincare products on the market claiming to help reduce fine lines and wrinkles, and you know I will try most of them. But how do you know your products are actually working? Some research to back up the claims. That's why Jess and I are all about Ritual. They created a wrinkle support skin supplement and conducted a clinical study to take the guesswork out of skincare. Ritual's Highest Air is now a part of my skincare routine, and I got in the habit of taking it every day by putting the cute little purple jar right next to my sunscreen. It looks nice on my vanity, and let's be honest, I love that. But once I stuck with the habit, I really noticed a difference in my skin. I am not the only one. In a clinical study, taking Hyacera for 90 days led to a 3.6 time reduction in crow's feet wrinkles as compared to placebo. And it led to a 2.9 increase in skin smoothness. I also like that they're easy to swallow. The capsules sort of taste like vanilla. They're not all weird and fishy like some other supplements. Plus, Ritual is a certified B Corp, something we learned about on a recent episode. And all their supplements, including the Daily Protein and their Sleep Bio Series Melatonin Supplement, are vegan, gluten-free, and made traceable. Do what Jess and I did. Start Hyacera to help minimize wrinkles without compromising on science. Hyacera from Ritual is a clinically proven skin supplement you can actually trust. Get 25% off your first month for a limited time at ritual.com slash mascara. Start Ritual or add Hyacera to your subscription today. That's ritual.com slash mascara for 25% off. One of the things that I really like about you and that a perspective that I think you bring that's um, just unique is, you know, when you came out, you took a lot of slings. And I think probably only um, a UK, UK audience might remember this, but you took a lot of slings from being from a quote unquote yeah. a working class background. And that doesn't really translate as much in the US. Um, so explicitly, we don't talk about class in the same way here, even mm-hmm. though we certainly have it. Um, but, you know, you, I, I wonder how you, you handled that because I think a lot of people, if you think about it, can certainly relate to feeling like, okay, I'm in, I'm in an industry or I'm in a place where maybe I am not being accepted. So while your situation is certainly very um, English, I think your, your struggle is actually quite very, I mean, I don't know if you view it as a struggle, but your situation was very, yes. very universal. And I'm curious how you surmounted that. You know, it's so interesting. So especially when I, you know, it's 18 on the cover of Italian Verb, then work with Karl Lagerfeld for Chanel. I mean, it was a, it was a wild time, but yes, the sort of story, because obviously people have to build a story around you that is, you know, you almost don't have control of the narrative, especially when you're that young. You're not aware that it's just, oh, yeah. we're just doing this to sell a newspaper. But when reporters started knocking on my parents' door, it became this thing of Horrible. working class girl does good, you know. And then when things were, I was having a hard time when I was, quote unquote, you know, I was watching the news one day in my Milan hotel room and I was, you know, on the news saying, Karen Nelson is too fat for Milan. <laughs> and then it became, but then it became a darker thing where it was like, well, she should be grateful that she had a chance in the first place, that this working class ugly duckling, that she should be grateful that she was even allowed into the room. And I think, yes, it was hurtful. It was, um, very classist. And obviously those who understand the UK class system that still exists today, you know, I'm a northerner and we are considered sort of 
not as intelligent, not as cultured, not as sophisticated, where a lot of, ironically, a lot of great culture does come from the north of England. Um, but back to your question, uh, you know, in life, I have got a personality where I choose to make lemonade out of lemons. That is the way I've been raised. That is the my sort of core. That is why I call the red flame the red flame because there has always been a light in me and it's been my litmus for my experience. If I feel like sort of light inside is dimming, I know I have to feed my soul and sort of build myself back up again. Um, reading your book, it seems like being in fashion you just have to be ready at any moment. I remember like, okay, now the Russians are in. Now the Belgian now the girls. Brazilians are in. Now this is in, that is in. You know, it's a, it's a fix. It was just weird. Being in magazines, you know, and you, and I like was part of it. And like, I'm like, oh no, we need one of these yes. models, whatever. It's Fashion is fickle. But like, what can a real person who sees that happen, who's at their career and all of a sudden I'm not the young new, whatever their career is, and yeah. they're not the young person or anymore, or, you know, they're ready to switch careers. What do you, when that, parts of your life come up, what do you lean on to like get through those change periods? Well, you know, okay. What keeps me grounded though, again, is the singularity of me believing in myself again, you know, and yes, fashion is fickle. Fashion is many different things. Um, and it's so crazy to me that the way a person looks can be a trend. I think it's so bizarre, but it's fashion. Um, Yes. It's a great example, but it is so, so silly. You know, no. it is, it's, and it I is said great. this to somebody the other day, how models are treated as a commodity. And I'm sorry to sidetrack, but I think that's one big thing that always irks me is that we are seen as commodities. We're not seen as sort of tangible, living, breathing humans where it's like, sure, yeah, redheads are in vogue tomorrow and then it's going to be another girl in the magazines or whatever the next. And you've always got to consider a person's humanity first and foremost and not treat a person like they are a trend because that's just denying their right to kind of be an individual. But what do I lean on in times when times are hard and when I'm not necessarily in the sort of favor of be it the fashion lens? I am lucky that there's many things that I like to do. Uh, and I think that's what I would give advice is like have rich and full life. And that has been the key to happiness for me is to not put all my eggs in the work basket or the personal basket is to have balance across the board of the things that I enjoy creatively that maybe no one will ever see, which ended up for me turning into music, which then I put music out. But for a long time, it was just my thing and was what moved me. Um, and valuing the whole of your life. You know, it, it's so easy to put things in boxes. And, you know, I am very guilty of this. Before this, you know, tragic COVID nightmare that we're all living, I think everybody I knew in fashion was burning out, myself included. I was just full steam ahead, really feeling myself on a plane every other week, flying here, there, everywhere. But <laughs> so on a soul level, I was drained. I had no personal life. I'd come home to my kids and I was always jet-lagged, grouchy. Um, tired, not present. And this pandemic really gave me a big, long pause for thought where I went, okay, I have not been taking my own advice. And I have been so focused on being successful that I forgot that success isn't just the outward facing. 
It's also your inward life. It's your personal life. It's the people who know you the best. Mm-hmm. It's not an Instagram post and how many likes you get. It's how do my kids feel about me? How do my loved ones feel about me? Well, how are the quality of my friendships? How do I feel about them? How do they feel about me? Am I engaged with them? You you definitely are not your average, like, you know, fashion bear. And that's very clear, like from reading the book. And, you know, I think that's why you are so brilliant. And I, you know, reading it, I had this little thought bubble above my head. And I was like, ooh, what 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 are the fashion peeps <laughs> saying right now when they read this? I'd like, love to know. What, what how do... I'm curious, for what can you say? Have you gotten any feedback from your peers? Tim Walker wrote me the most beautiful message. And it honestly brought tears to my eyes. Just, you know, just telling me what, what I did was important and how much he believes in me and how he's read the book cover to cover and, and how he understood you know, and Grace Coddington did the same thing. Edward Enemful, um, who is a dear friend of mine, yeah. um, wrote me the, he wrote a forward in the book, an introduction, and he wrote me the most beautiful letter, you know. And, and I feel like the people who know me, they really get it because they have seen me go through it. And I think some people were surprised, to, you know, because again, we all have our personas. And I think a lot of people, especially when I'm at work, I do have my guard up sometimes and you have to, I feel like I have to act a certain way. So I'm sure some people read it and went, huh? Who's right. that? Who's that person? We don't know. <laughs> we don't know that right. person. Well, did they think it was like a scorched earth? I tried to not scorch the earth with the book. I tried to be honest. I mean, that was the hardest part is of writing the book because I want to be honest and vulnerable, but I also wanted to tell the truth, but I had to find a way of telling the truth where I give people grace for making mistakes too. Because here's the thing, we are all human. I can hold up my hands and I am sure I have done things in my life or behaved in ways that do not reflect the person I believe to be. And I want to give another person grace for making mistakes also. But... I think there's levels and degrees to that. I also think accountability is a huge thing. I mean, if somebody came to me tomorrow and said, hey, Karen, you really hurt my feelings on this day and this is what you said and did, I would have to... T- I would on page wa- 73. Exactly. <laughs> but I would take a moment and listen to what they had to say and consider it. And if I yeah. owe them an apology, I will absolutely... Oh, you know, it, I've hurt their feelings. I owe them an apology. It's that simple, but... There are degrees, and I want to be clear of that because there's some egregious behavior. You know, I mean, like, you know, sexual harassment. And I think even, you know, some of the body shaming, which I would love to have honest conversations with people and look them in the eyes and say, that comment you made spiraled me into years of self-hatred. Obviously, there's a part of me that already probably was deeply insecure that, latched onto that, but I wanted to open up the door to a conversation. I'm sure there's some this people book does. in the yeah. fashion industry who are like, oh my God, she's so entitled and ungrateful. You know, that's all that's always been a part of fashion. If you're not kissing the ring, you're ungrateful. <laughs> you know, and 
Yeah, I don't think fashion's that reflective. I think no. there are sometimes no. when it's, con- you know, like certain, certain moments, certainly this year, and I want to get to that yes. in the next question. I think right now, fashion and, and beauty is very reflective about some major issues, but I don't think that in certain, I, I, I'm kind of talking out of both sides of my mouth. I think, yes, big issues, they're reflective, but I think a lot of people, there is this kind of like, you should be grateful. Yeah, there is this mentality of, you know, I've made you, you should be grateful, which I think, again, illegitimizes everything that I have contributed. You know, the idea that right. I should be grateful for, look, I am grateful. That's Here's the thing, I am grateful. Years but, I, but I am grateful to many different people, yeah. but just gratitude shouldn't take away my rights to be treated with respect. Do you think that things are going to change? Jen and I talk about this a lot on the show. Like, do you think the needle is going to be shifting in terms of representation, in terms of body type, um, all of the things that we're seeing lots of, um, you know, big headlines in Women's Wear Daily every week about, you know, um, inclusivity. And, and there's lots of movement behind it right now, but I'm curious in five years, are we going to see a lot of change? I really hope that this is the beginning of a real huge shakeup in the fashion industry. You know, speaking of someone like Edward Enemfold, I think Edward's a visionary and I think Edward has so naturally pushed the needle, you know, and does it in a way that feels very forward, but not everybody's Edward. And not everybody has just his sort of natural innate way of doing things. I think for me, when something feels like a trend, again, as we're getting back to trends, when it becomes a trend, I think it's dangerous because it should just become a reality and a norm. And I think we have to really separate, you know, I think right now a lot of people in fashion are scared. I think they're scared because they're being called out. I think that they're afraid of doing the wrong thing. So they will almost like performatively just over, like just do what they think they should be doing, which is a dangerous thing because it's what I would be doing behind the scenes. It's just my opinion. I think there should be rigorous retraining of all people in the fashion industry, of, you know, magazines, of editors, of model agents, of models themselves, of just every facet. I think there needs to be a very like a big important dialogue that we are not just doing something to be performative. We are doing something because it is necessary and we must change. You know, and I'm a Karen saying this, okay? Like I am the whitest <laughs> Karen there is. But I really <laughs> fundamentally believe that fashion still has a lot more to do. And it needs to yeah. have, you know, I read something recently that really struck me because we're all talking about who gets a seat at the table and it really flipped the narrative like just saying to invite a person at the seat of the table how about we rebuild the table so the table itself mm. isn't built on these sort of elitist white sort of you know mm. tendencies that fashion leans towards like rebuild the table so the pillars <laughs> of the table represent a swath of what the world is, and then maybe we'll get somewhere. I love that. I am so glad you're using your voice, Karen. And <laughs> I mean, I you'll see like if I'm ever in a magazine models. again after me using my voice. 
place. No, no, I am so, you remember I said at the very top of the interview, I said, why now? I feel like- Why not? Your book could not have gone, could not have come a moment sooner. Well, why not is my is my philosophy. You know, I feel like I've been around the block. I'm still here. It's not like I'm, I'm sort of, you know, I'm not, I wasn't working in fashion anymore. And people are like, why is she coming back? She's so bitter, <laughs> you know? No, you don't no, sound better. But you that's sound energized. How people can take these things. I'm still a vital part of the fashion industry. And I feel like it's my responsibility to make this industry better and to make it more yeah. accountable because I want a 18-year-old girl who's walking into the fashion industry who isn't a size zero, who is quirky looking or who is, you know, not the norm for her beauty and her humanity to be respected. And for the things that have happened to me to not happen to anybody else. If I can impart even a little bit of that change and create something or or be part of a conversation that pushes the dial where a model, a person, has agency over herself, where you, she goes on to set and she feels empowered, protected. She knows when she's going to get paid. She knows how much she's being paid. She's treated like a human. And if I've had any part of that, I'll be grateful because that's all I want. That's it. Bef- you know, before we let you go, can we have just <laughs> a little bit of fun? You've been doing yes. a lot of work here. This is like good work <laughs> you're doing, but we wanna we wanna ask we wanna do a little speed round with you of like get to I love Karen. these things. <laughs> I love it. She's not, a, she's not just a face, she's a person, she's a musician, all that. I'm a um Jess, lady, do you wanna go ahead yes. and do it? Okay, well, it's just a super lightning round. It's just, I'll, I'll do it. It's a super lightning round. And it's just, you answer the, for the first thing that comes to your mind. It's really low, low lift, low lift, okay? Okay, what is the first <laughs> beauty product that you fell in love with? Oh my God. I think it was something from the body shop and it was an apple conditioner that made my hair smell like an apple and I loved it. <laughs> Who is, oh, okay, this is like, this never really works well. Oh, and a lip People scrub from the body shop. I was obsessed with a that. A lip too. scrub. Oh, oh yeah, yes. yeah. I was I, I, saying the next <laughs> the next question never really works with people who are like celebrities into themselves and they're in like that world. So the question is, who's the celebrity you just know you'd be best friends with? But you can pick a dead <gasps> Helena Bonham Carter. Okay. You guys aren't friends? Well, I've met her enough times, but I want to be her best friend. Okay. All right. I feel like I've met her, I've met her, but I I love her. I've I've had a crush on her since I was like 15 years old. I just, I, it's like, I've met her, but I'm so nervous around her because I, yeah. <laughs> everything she's about, just, it's like girl crush central. But if you want me to pick somebody else who I've never No, no, met, no, that's perfect. Okay. That's a perfect right. no, celebrity. No, I can see that. I can see the meeting of the mom. Oh, she I probably has the same feeling about you. Who knows? I I mean, we did. A, I did a shoot with her and Tim Burton, uh-huh. with Tim Walker. And yeah, I, I could barely talk all, all day. Like, I could talk to him, but her was like... <sighs> You just know, yeah. sort of like the you breath totally was taken weird. away in, in <laughs> awe of her. <laughs> Did you say goodbye on set? We're just like, bye. Like, <laughs> I, I, you know, I think I kept putting my foot in my mouth and everything that came out of my mouth was like, oh my God, why did I say that? You know, just, just that Echoing thing where you're like, head. no. And I think every time I've met her, I always put my foot in my mouth because I'm so like eager. <laughs> I love that. I love that. Okay. What is your most favorite indulgent snack? Oh my God. Okay. The pandemic indulgence snack has been Tony's 
um, choc- like pretzel chocolate. It's this brand called Tony's. I think it's based out of Oregon. Oh my mm. God. I am British. So chocolate, like it's a thing. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. There was moments okay. where I could wolf down an entire, like, and it's a heavy, like, block. You have to snap it. And it's got the little bits of pretzel. And at first I'm oh, like, Oh, Tony Chocoloni sh- or something like that. It's right. So I know this brand. Yeah, yeah. Good. I, I know swear, this. I start eating it and it was like, the, the bars are a like a, bit more. <laughs> a, a brick. Oh, and I put it in the fridge. So it was like a little cold, a little bit harder mm-hmm. to snap. Yes. Don't even get me started with chocolate. I mean, I... I, there's a one grocery store in Nashville that sells it and I have to avoid it now because it's this kind of, it's this sort of snack that, or chocolate that, you, you know, it's like, you ha- I don't know people who have like one cookie and then put the cookie, you know, put, put it away. I'm like, it's, unfortunately, I think, you know. It's still there. It's still it's waiting so, for you. <laughs> it's it's like, it's too good. It's too good. It's funny. Yeah. Um, okay. What's a song? I mean, I feel like you probably have so many because um, you're, you know, so in music. But like, what's a song that pumps you up right now? Gets you going. Okay. So, oh, it's maybe a little politi- political. I'm sorry. It's fine. Um, do you see that mashup? There's this guy, a remix. Um, what's his name? Marquise. Um, and it's you about to lose your job. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you about to lose your I job. I saw that. <laughs> I forget the woman's name who was like getting arrested. Oh, uh, you know. the artist, right? But that boom. Yes, and I hope she's getting yeah, the royalties. Yeah. I really do. I also read a little bit about her story that, you know, she's a recovering addict. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's way more I don't than actually just think she got arrested either, which makes me happy. Yeah, yeah. Really? I know. I, I saw something where she was speaking about like a lot of the hard times that she's had. And, you yeah. know, it just, I don't know, it keeps popping up on my social media where it's I found funny. myself in the car the other day, like, you were about to lose your job. <laughs> <laughs> so that's been, that's been pumping me up just Excellent for obvious, obvious reasons. <laughs> gotcha. Gotcha. <laughs> okay. And then what do you want to raise a wand to, which is fat mascara parlance for what are you obsessed with right now? Ooh. Mm. Could be anything. What am I obsessed with right now? Anything. What a great question. God. I mean, I feel like I'm always so Just looking around the room. (laughs) What am I obsessed with? No, because it's usually like a Netflix thing that I've been obsessed with. And again, I'm probably going to like, yeah, I'm sure you all watched I May Destroy You. I haven't seen it. I know everyone oh, loves it. My, You watched it, Jen, right? God. It. Good. It was so one good. of the most incredible. I mean, it's, it's a hard show to watch as a woman because I think so many parts of it as a woman, you can kind of relate to. But then to there's humor to help balance it. Yes. So it's, it's a, it's What's a her name? Michaela. Michaela. Michaela uh, Cole. Um, yeah. That's it. Michaela Cole. Brilliant. And I would raise a wand to that because I also feel like it's, again, it's engaging in a conversation about womanhood, but it's a lot of things that we don't talk about. And it's a lot of the stuff that we've all kind of experienced, done, self-sabotaged or Mm. had unfortunate things happen to us, but it, it felt so empowering, but it also had such a different kind of narrative to it that felt very much like now and appropriate for here and now. So I will raise my wand for that. Karen, thank you. Love it. Excellent. (laughs) Thank you. This is great.
Okay, she's a very inspiring person, to say the least. Very much so. Okay, shall we get to the raise a wand? Raise that wand. Better raise that wand. Why don't you start? I feel like I've been starting the past couple of times. Oh, okay, good, because I'm really excited about it. Okay, what, what you got? What you got? Okay, so I want to say three years ago, the New York Times Magazine did this. They do this column, and it's like letter of recommendation. And somebody wrote a letter of recommendation to a hot water bottle. And I was like, oh my gosh, hot water bottles. I haven't had one since childhood. But I have that Raynaud's thing. If you're out there and you have it, you know what it is. Your feet and your hands get really cold and you cannot get rid of it. It kicks in right around November. And there's like this weird pain in my hands. Anyway, something about a hot water bottle is so comforting to my toes under the bed Mm -hmm. and my hands when they get like that. And so... This woman wrote this whole ode to it. And then it wasn't really about this particular brand. She's like, I like the old school one. I like the Sanger rubber hot water bottle. It's this German company. It's not expensive. It's like 20 bucks for this hot water bottle. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to order one. I don't often get persuaded by like someone's writing. You'd think I would because that's what I do for a living. But anyway, I ordered it. You're a tough customer. This thing gives, oh my God, it gives me so much Pleasure. I what's the shape? Like, yeah, yeah, pour it in there. Yeah, get tell us about the ritual. Classic hot water bottle. Like, if you were on a Bugs Bunny, you know, no, not like a shower cappy shape. It's like a square. Okay, and it's made of rubber. One side is smooth. Does it smell rubbery? Textured. It smells a little bit medicinal at first, but no, it's just like really thick, so you could put almost boiling water in there right away, and you wouldn't burn yourself. And I like to flip it around my feet and my hands because if it's getting too warm on one side, the other side has texture. So then you can like take that more. There is something about hot water heat that is so much better than like an electric blanket. Yes. Oh, very. You know, it's just so much more soothing. So when it gets really cold, I heat it up. I put it at the foot of the bed like a half an hour before I get into bed. So then when I get my little toesies into the bed... It's like heated down there. So you, okay, like, so you yeah, I know you can wear socks, but like they get sweaty. Just having a heated hot water bottle on my feet in the bed is amazing. So can I and just ask you? I achy while I'm typing. Yeah. Jen, so just at a, for safety first, safety first. You put the hot water in the hot water bottle, like through like a, like a tea kettle or something. I just, I'm always nervous about hot transfer. I trans- have an electric kettle. Okay. So you use an electric kettle. Okay. To pour into. And it has a very thin spout. spout that makes it perfect. Yeah. And okay. I can get to 200 degrees, which is just short of boiling. Um, so okay. yeah, if you're very good point, Jess, because if you're boiling water, be really careful pouring it in. But it has a great gasket and rubber stopper, almost like old school style. This thing will not squirt on you. It's very sturdy. Yeah, you like, want to make sure that uh, that's sealed like tight. A old Hollywood star. Yeah, I just it just makes me feel like it's classic. Okay. And I don't know if you live in a cold place. This is get yourself one of these for the the winter season. You will not be disappointed. Okay, you'll put a link to it on the blog. Sanger. Rubber hot water bottle. Okay, yes, guys, just be careful with the transfer of the water and the sealing of the gasket. Okay, <laughs> such a mom. No, I, please, it, it, it was gasket. it was even. But please, before even a child, before I even had a child, I get very, very concerned about this kind of stuff. Okay, um, I've got a, a much safer, equally glamorous um, <laughs> option for winter. Yes, I'm ready. Cartier fragrance. <laughs> We are bringing the glam. You get your hot water bottle. Yeah, okay, yes, exactly. Cartier. Yeah, for evenings, okay? This is what you're going to do. 
You're going to get into your most comfortable loungewear. You have your hot water bottle on one side. And then you're going to take your Cartier mm-hmm. La... Jen and I were talking about this before I got on the air because I was concerned about the pronunciation. So I'm just going to say it in the English style. Panther fragrance. Okay? French people, you know it's not <laughs> called panther fragrance. You don't have to make fun of me. Just, you know what I'm talking about. Okay? Just, Cartier Panther. Yeah, you know, you know what I'm talking about. You know the one. Okay? It the is... The kitty cat one. <laughs> the kitty cat one. The kitty cat one. It is so fabulous. It is so glamorous. It is not trying to be a fruity floral. It is not trying to be a floriental. It is not trying to be fresh. It is just a gorgeous, floral, grown-up fragrance. It has gardenia. It has... Um, what it's a she it's a sheepra it's a sheepra and sheepra fragrances. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm saying it's a floral, but it, it, I'm reading the the little description online. It's really more of a sheepra than a floral. So I'm gonna backpedal a little bit. Sheepras are more of a mossy fragrance. You might think, why well, don't want to? I don't want to smell like moss. Yes, you do. It smells like kind of like leathery and green with floral. And I know anyone who's like a nose out there mm. is like cringing. Oh. Like, no, My no, no. My favorite sheep, no. Okay, you know Prescriptive's Calyx? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Remember that one? Yeah. That was a sheep. I think it's sheep. Maybe it's sheep, bro. Oh, is I it? I thought, oh, maybe it's it sheep. That, Sorry, like, guys. I don't know. Humidity. Ooh, ooh, girl, I got the word for it. A humid floral. Oh, that's interesting. I just sprayed it. Oh my god, it's so gorgeous! You, like a wet, is green, this sheep humid or a sheep? floral? Oh, I'm gonna have my fragrance yeah. writer. Let's my, learn um, together. Yeah, I'm gonna have my I'm gonna have my my card taken away. Um, but it's it's got a greenness to it with the kind of leatheriness to it with this beautiful floral like note to it, and it smells like. This is the only way I can describe it. Maybe it's because sheepras were, um, or sheep, whatever, is it was hot when in, in the eighties. That was their really big moment, and that's when I was, you know, coming like as I was growing up, not as a teenager, but as like a kid. Mm-hmm. And that's what grown up smelled like to me because they were all wearing these fragrances. Oh, yeah. So to me, it's like that association, like grown up equal sheep. God, I got to look this up right now. I'm so sorry. Like, how do you pronounce it? Also, while you're looking that up, is this made by Cartier's in-house? It's uh, by Mathilde, perfumer. yeah. She's the most fabulous woman alive. Whatever she makes, I would wear it because you just want you just want to be this woman. She's like the epitome of like French chic. It's sheep. Okay, we took a little pause. It's sheep, um, and I'm sure <laughs> if a French person is listening, they're like, "It's not sheep. It's sheep. Sheep. So, uh, it's it's. I'm not sheep. Yeah, I'm Mathilde not saying says sheep. Yes, it's um." Anyway, it's gorgeous, and it actually, um, I looked up a little bit more, it, it it has notes of, sheeps tend to have more like patchouli and and and, and oak moss, and it, 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 there's just, there's a sophistication with this genre that you just don't see every day, and it smells grown up, and I have to say, I want a fragrance that smells grown up right now. And I think you've heard me go on about this a little bit here and there with different fragrances like Chanel number 19. Um, There's a a Roja one that I have that I go nuts over. And I just kind of keep going back to this genre. And this Cartier one is like, Mm -hmm. this has a permanent home in that little family on my um, dresser. So 
Anyway, very cool. Yeah, you know what grown-ups do? They get a hot water bottle ah! and a sheep fragrance. This is your starter right? pack. That's your starter pack. <laughs> Grown-up starter pack. Yes. I love it. Thanks for sharing. We hope you enjoyed the show. It's your reviews and feedback that help us make the podcast even better. Head over to iTunes to rate and review us or email your thoughts to info at fatmascara.com. We also want to answer your beauty questions and hear what products you love. To share a Razor One product review or to ask a beauty question, email us at info at fatmascara. If you send it as a voice memo file, we can even share your voice on the podcast. You can also do that by leaving us a voice message. Our phone number in the United States is 646-481-8182. Thanks so much for listening. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee, and you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewelry that makes you look like the gem, sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. When it comes to style and luxury, eBay gets it. They're making sure the things that you love are checked by experts. Not just any experts, specialized experts. Real people who love this stuff. With real hands-on authentication experience. So when you see that shiny blue checkmark that says Authenticity Guarantee, shop with confidence. Every inch, stitch, sole, and logo is verified authentic through a detailed inspection. That's how you know that eBay's got your back. Because when you finally step into those sneakers, put on that watch, get your real gold glow up, swing that handbag over your shoulder, or step out in that streetwear, you'll realize that feeling is unlike any other. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. Listen, there are so many skincare products on the market claiming to help reduce fine lines and wrinkles, and you know I will try most of them. But how do you know your products are actually working? Some research to back up the claims. That's why Jess and I are all about Ritual. They created a wrinkle support skin supplement and conducted a clinical study to take the guesswork out of skincare. Ritual's highest hair is now a part of my skincare routine, and I got in the habit of taking it every day by putting the cute little purple jar right next to my sunscreen. It looks nice on my vanity, and let's be honest, I love that. But once I stuck with the habit, I really noticed a difference in my skin. I am not the only one. In a clinical study, taking Hyacera for 90 days led to a 3.6 time reduction in crow's feet wrinkles as compared to placebo. And it led to a 2.9 increase in skin smoothness. I also like that they're easy to swallow. The capsules sort of taste like vanilla. They're not all weird and fishy like some other supplements. Plus, Ritual is a certified B Corp, something we learned about on a recent episode. And all their supplements, including the Daily Protein and their Sleep Bio Series Melatonin Supplement, are vegan, gluten-free, and made traceable. Do what Jess and I did. Start Hyacera to help minimize wrinkles without compromising on science. Hyacera from Ritual is a clinically proven skin supplement you can actually trust. Get 25% off your first month for a limited time at ritual.com slash mascara. Start Ritual or add Hyacera to your subscription today. That's ritual.com slash mascara for 25% off. Mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 